Let's turn to the Word of God, Ephesians chapter 6, and we begin at verse uh, 1. I just want to back up, I said verse 10 in the bulletin, but I'd like to just begin at verse 1, and then read uh, to verse 13. Let's hear the word of God to us this afternoon. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in singleness of your heart, as unto Christ. Not with eye service as men-pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. With good will, doing service as to the Lord, and not to men. Knowing that whatsoever good thing any man does the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. And your masters do the same things unto them, forbearing, threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is there respect of persons with him. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take to you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always, with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints, and for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Read up to this moment. Congregation, it's after a good night's rest, you're ready to go back to work. So it is after a good Lord's Day to have rest on the Lord's Day. And children, you know what the Lord's Day is called in the Old Testament, Sabbath. 
A Sabbath means rest. And especially after having also had the Lord's Supper, to be strengthened in our faith by that bread, that wine, when we look upon that and remember the sufferings of the Lord Jesus Christ, the price paid, the war won, Satan defeated. And yet, even though the victory is won, there's still battles raging. So we're not just going back to work, but going back to war. After a day's resting. That's what we want to consider this afternoon with you. God's call to battle. And we'll just focus on the verses 10 through 12, particularly. I just want to read it again. Ephesians 6, 10 through 12. Finally, in other words, having come to the conclusion of the matter. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. That's what's awaiting us. God's call to battle. First, we want to consider that as a temporary reality. A temporary reality. It will not last forever. Every believer who dies, however sad that is, has happened among us, among our families. There is a joyous liberty as well, a victory. It's a temporary reality. Second, a spiritual enemy. A third, a certain victory. So it's a temporary reality. It's only for a time. One of the things that we need to consider here that this battle is evidence of life. Though it is not pleasant, not easy, but it would be worse with us if we would not have this battle. If we would be swept up in it. So though we are convicted and battled and embattled, and we fight the good fight of faith, It's evidence of life. It's a sign of life. It's a sign that we're not dead in trespasses and sins as we were if we were true believers. Many Christians today deny this this reality of this battle. They say, we're all done. Jesus won the victory, and that's true. They say Christianity is not an entrance into the war, but an exit from it. Smooth sailing from here on. Let go, let God. That's not what the Bible teaches. And certainly not this passage we just read. 
God's word testifies we're called to a life and death battle. Not to earn life, but as I said, to evidence life as a sign of life. It's a sign that we are alive when we battle. Somebody says life is not a playground, but a battleground. Christian life is not a continuous banquet. We're not going back tomorrow for another Lord's Supper, and on and on and on. As somebody else says, we're not spectators, but warriors. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. This is clearly a call to be strong because the battle is raging. At the one hand, it's God's work, God's power, God's might. Very clearly in the text, be strong in the Lord, in the power of His might. But we are called to be strong in it. So God does it, and yet we are called to be strong, to put on the whole armor of God, to stand, to wrestle. It's an obvious reality. We cannot, and we may not deny. So we're called to battle. But as Paul calls it, it's a good fight. 1 Timothy 6, 12, he says, Fight the good fight of faith. It's a hard battle, but it's a good fight. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. So there's this tension, or we would say this, this, this tension between God does it and we are called to do it. But really, there is no tension. There's a harmony. Because the more we look to Jesus and the more we follow him, the more we will know how to fight this battle. So it's a temporary reality in the life of the believer. The first thing is the evidence of faith, evidence of life, rather. The second thing is expected in life. Be not surprised by it. Expect it. So if it's a sign of life, we shouldn't be surprised that, surprised that we should expect it at the same time. It's going to come. It's inevitable. It's certain. It's unavoidable. As Paul taught in this letter to the Ephesians, God's purpose to have a new society, a new humanity, as we heard this morning, a new society, and particularly through the family, as we read in the beginning of this chapter, marriage and family. It was there that Satan first attacked When he tempted Eve, the woman, she and her husband sinned. So destroyed the the union between a husband and wife that was perfect. Tainted with sin because of this. Satan has done so again and again. Therefore, expect opposition. Jesus said, In John 15, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they've persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Evidence of life, expected in life, 
And then third, experienced throughout life. Life upon this earth, that is. Verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual weakness in high places. So he says the battle is not against flesh and blood. Well, that doesn't deny that often the battle is against flesh and blood. I mean, it's often between people and among people, in your own family, at work, at school, uh, in the church even sometimes. And each time when that happens, we're called to make a choice. Resist or surrender. Stand strong or fall down. Make a choice on what to believe and how to behave. Tempted not only by other people, but far too often even by our own self. As somebody once said, we are our own worst enemy. We have to think things through. Compare what we hear and see with Scripture. What does this person say? What does that person say? What do I think? No. What does God say? How we deal with unbiblical doctrines, false religions, cults, secular and the ungodly media. All this internet browsing. So many movies that are intended to entertain us, which means distract us, or amuse us, which means not to think. Amusement, amuse, means not to think. And be gobbled up by wrong ways of thinking and acting, tempting us to sinful thoughts, words, and actions. But there's more than meets the eye or the ear, if I may put it like that. We're we are battling a triple-headed enemy. It's not just against flesh and blood, not against people. I remember, actually more than once, several times, where we had the consistent meetings or other meetings, and among brothers, arguments. That someone or myself, later when I heard it a couple of times, I repeated that, say, brothers, the battle is not against flesh and blood. We're not against each other. We're on the same team. Let's be careful that Satan doesn't get an advantage over us. Divides and conquers. The world, our flesh, that's our old nature, but also Satan. Easy way to remember. Sin, the world, self, and Satan. Three words that begin with an S. A triple-headed enemy. Sin, self, and Satan. It says in verse 13, talking about the evil day. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, all the things that God has provided, as in the remaining verses there, which we will not go into, 
at, at this time. But the whole armor of God, everything that God has provided for us, that you may be able to stand in the evil day, withstand, having done all, to stand, and verse 14 goes on, stand therefore. Take a stand. The evil day. What is that evil day? I mean, any and every day. Really. Every day can be an evil day. When you go back to work tomorrow, to school, or even at home, wherever you're going to be, there's going to be evil present. Psalm 50 verse 15 tells us what to do. Call on me in the day of trouble. So, I would think there'd be hardly any day without trouble. Any day can be and often is, in many ways, an evil day. Call upon me, the Lord says there, in the day of trouble, I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. So the glory of God is involved here. It's not just about you and me. And we do that looking to Jesus, fighting darkness with light. And the light being the Lord Jesus. He says, I am the light of the world. Now, the evil day can also mean the last day, the judgment day, that you stand till that very last moment. It can also mean your last day or my last day. Because sometimes people think about what will happen on the last day, and it's good to think about that. But we may pass away way before the last day. Our last day may come sooner as the last day, the day of judgment. We're called here to stand. So we're called to battle by God. But thanks be to God, it's a temporary reality. But it's a very strong reality. Because we have to deal not just with physical enemies, but with spiritual enemies. We find that in these verses, very detailed. It brings us to a second point, a spiritual enemy. It's temporary, but it's spiritual. It's beyond our power. Beyond our physical powers, beyond our mental powers, beyond our spiritual powers. Because we have a spiritual enemy in the first place who is very powerful. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. There's so many words come bubbling up, as it were. It's almost like the Apostle Paul is struggling to put it into words. It's a supernatural enemy called the devil. You know what the word devil means? Slanderer. He slanders. He's a false accuser. In Revelation, he's called the accuser of the brethren. You see, so who does he bother most is those that 
look to Jesus and follow Jesus. If Satan doesn't accuse you, if you if you can go on without any conscience pricks or guilt, if you live in the world and you live for sin, he'll leave you alone. But he comes after those that follow the Lord. He hates the Lord. He's a sworn enemy. You know that Satan rebelled against God, was thrown out of heaven. He's also called Apollyon, destroyer, Revelation 9. Satan, the adversary, the enemy, was cast out of heaven with all his followers, the demons, which are named here in, in different ways. Principalities, it says, powers, rulers, Powerful, every single one of them. The word powers actually is authorities. It could even mean governments. Where he gets the government and the leaders into a sway to control the people. You don't have to go far today to, to see that this is happening and increasingly so. Satan and his servant demons have taken control of the world in a sense. He's called the prince of this world by the Lord Jesus. But he defeated him. We know that. Judged by Jesus. Limited power. Satan was pretty much, you could say, all-powerful, as I mentioned this morning, in the 4,000 years before Christ came, the whole world was under his sway. But through Jesus' suffering and death and resurrection, Satan has been bound and is being bound, even though he's still raging around. So we not only need this power, but through the Lord Jesus Christ, this power is also provided for us given to us for those who believe in the Lord Jesus. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18, he says, listen to this, all power, all, not some, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. So even though Satan has a tremendous power, Jesus has been given all power. Satan some, Jesus all power. We should not forget, I was reminded of that some time ago again, that even though I knew it, I often didn't think of it that way. That Satan is a creature. He is not equal to God. So often in our minds we we think that Satan fights against God and as if they're almost equals. But Satan was a creature. God created him just like Gabriel and Michael as an archangel. His name originally was Lucifer. You know what that means? Light bearer. He was created as Lucifer, one of the archangels, a light bearer. So he's created, that means he's not omnipresent. He is not omniscient. He's not omnipotent. He's limited in power and knowledge. 
God knows our thoughts. Satan knows a lot about it, but he doesn't know it. But he has learned a lot by observation. 6,000 years he has observed with his demons what we, how the way we act. So we should not overestimate Satan. He's limited. He is not God. God is the only one who is all-knowing, all-powerful. Satan and his demons are not. Satan needs his demons to go back and forth to inform him and to act on his behalf. He cannot do anything without God's power and permission. He can intimidate us with his demons and frighten us and, and make us afraid. But he cannot make us do anything. We can never say when we sin, Satan made me do it. Satan doesn't have the power. So do you know the story about Job? I mean, if you want an example of Satan's power, consider the book of Job. Satan was not allowed to do more than God allowed him to do. There were limits. He could touch Job in many ways, but he could not take his life. So Satan went all out. And that shows us that we at the same time also should not underestimate Satan and the demons. Because you know what happened in Job's life. He caused enemies to take everything Job owned. He somehow stirred up neighboring tribes to steal everything from Job. He caused his friends to add to his suffering. The first couple of days when they when he came, they sat down and said nothing. That was actually the best time. As soon as they opened their mouth, Job's suffering increased. They made all kinds of false accusations. Somebody says we need enemies if your friends act like that. He caused a wind to destroy the house with his children. They all died. So we shouldn't overestimate Satan's power in the demon, but also not underestimate. Cause terrible sores to afflict him. Even a wife to tempt him. Curse God and die. And Job did not realize what was behind the scenes. We know now, looking back and reading the story, we know that what was at, what was at work here? Job didn't know that. He may have thought that God is against him. That God had forsaken him. And yet he remained faithful. I know that my Redeemer lives and I shall see him. So it's a spiritual enemy that is powerful. But second, also extremely wicked. It talks in verse 12 about rulers of the darkness and spiritual wickedness in high places. Darkness is a picture of evil. 
things that are wrong and bad often are done in darkness. Although the things that were done in darkness maybe 10, 15 years ago are now done boldly in plain daylight. It looks as it were as if Satan and the demons are coming out of the shadows. Darkness, the total opposite of who God is. 1 John 1, 5, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. total opposite of what Satan is. He was the light bearer, but he became darkness, and in him is no light at all now. And he impacts the people. We read in Ephesians 5, verse 8, the previous chapter, you were, remember that you were dead, but as in chapter 2, but in chapter 5, you were sometimes darkness, but now are you light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. You were darkness, but now you're light. You were dead, but now you're alive. Live it. Show it. And if you've not yet repented and believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, then you're still in darkness. Turn to the light. Let the light shine upon you and within you. Spiritual wickedness, it says also. Depravity in high places. Literally, it says heavenly places. In the spiritual realm. In other words, we not only fight visible evil, but also invisible evil. So not only physical enemies, not only the enemies of flesh and blood, but also the invisible, the spiritual, the world of demons. So they're powerful, they're wicked, they're also crafty. So look at the combination. Powerful, wicked, crafty. Verse 11 talks about the wiles. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, the tricks, the deceit, the cunning. Cunning is being smart in an evil way. Clever but deceitfully, sly, is to appear one way, but actually meaning something else. Actually, the word literally is method. It's a method. Satan has a method in which he works. The demons have a method. A tried and tested. They've, done at, they've been at this for much longer than you or I are alive. Because they are spirits. At work already for 6,000 years. They know humanity better than we realize. Lying in wait, read in chapter 4, verse 14. Lying in wait, plotting an ambush, setting a trap, luring us into something. So even when Satan speaks truth, he intends it to be a lie. Sometimes he can say things to us in, in our mind that are true in themselves, but he says it with the wrong purpose. We'll get to that in a moment. John eight forty four, Jesus said, Satan is a liar and the father of it. So be on high alert. 
2 Corinthians 2.11, Paul says, Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices, his tricks. So when and how do Satan and his demons tempt us? Even using truth to bring us to despair. Well, one is that when we're convicted of sin. God wants us to repent and believe the gospel. Satan, at such a time, is tempting us to despair. Satan can remind us of sin to, to, to show us how hopeless we are and how lost we are. I read once, when you're convicted and you turn to despair, you're listening to the unholy spirit. When you're convicted and flee to Jesus, you're convicted by the Holy Spirit. He's a whisperer. How that works, I do not know. But he's called an accuser of the brethren. So when we're convicted of sin, God wants us to be convicted so we be saved. Satan will then jump in, as it were, to tempt us to despair. First he says to our mind, when he tempts us to sin, oh, it's nothing, you can do it. But then when you've done it, he might turn around and say, oh, no, you're beyond hope. It's, it's, you're too sinful. It's hopeless. Another way he works is when we're lukewarm, when he sees we have no desire to pray or to search the Bible. And he says, see, you're not a believer at all. These thoughts come in our own mind, but we have no idea how that comes their way. Satan is influencing us in ways beyond our understanding. See, you don't feel like reading the Bible, you don't feel like praying, so you must not be a believer. When we're afflicted is another way. We're convicted, when we look warm, when we're afflicted. Just like in Job's case. Sometimes God does it to chastise us. Sometimes it simply is to test our faith, to make it stronger, really as in Job's case. But Satan says, God doesn't love you. He has forsaken you. He has abandoned you. Maybe that's what Job at times did think. You read that. Even though he was continually upheld by the Holy Spirit, there was a battle going on that was not just in Job's mind or head. It was a battle between demons and angels. And we have a beautiful example here that there's, a, there's a, an unseen world. We often think just about this, but we, we should remember, and we do, I trust, remember, but we don't really think about it much. There is a warfare between angels and demons. Sometimes, when we have success, 
we've been successful. Sometimes then Satan can use it too to turn us upside down. We know it was God's grace. And maybe you prayed even for it, but then somehow you think, and you're actually listening to Satan's whisperings, oh, you did a great job. You did a great job. I think about Peter. When Jesus asked him, who do you think I am? He says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And, Peter, and God said, Jesus said, you are blessed, Simon. Blessed. Next thing we see that Peter is arguing with Jesus, when Jesus talks about his suffering and death, and then Jesus says, get thee behind me, Satan. First he calls him blessed. For flesh and blood has not revealed it to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And next he says, Satan. This one other clear example of the battle dust being not just in Peter. And between Peter and Jesus, but there's another battle going on. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus calls Peter Satan. And Peter made a wonderful profession. And because Jesus praised him and called him blessed, Peter walked right into the next trap. Another example is when we are lazy and idle. Like David, when he didn't go to war, he launched on the rooftop and he fell into sin. You know the story. He fell into sin with Bathsheba. That's why that saying is known, idleness is the devil's playground. All these statements, all these realities are there, but we so often forget about them. So laziness is not just something about you and your family and your work, whatever it is, but it's also opening yourself up to Satan's temptations. As happened with David. He sinned terribly. Not only committing adultery, but even murder. Of Bathsheba's husband. Another way is when we're alone. That's also a big temptation and difficulty. Opening up yourself for, for these evil powers. When you're alone. When you don't feel like going to church or to prayer meeting or to Bible study or whatever. Remember Thomas? Thomas missed out on something by not going to the meeting. He stayed home. And then the disciples said, oh, Jesus is alive. I don't believe it. Thankfully, the Lord Jesus appeared to him next Sabbath, the next Lord's Day. He missed out on the blessing after Jesus appeared. Another way that we often are being assaulted is when we face death. Doubting whether we are really ready to die. All these thoughts play in our own minds and hearts. But at the same time, there's a battle going. Are you ready to die? So Satan is not only crafty in when he does it, at all these different occasions in our life, and there's many more to name, but also how he does it. 
That's why Peter says in 1 Peter 5 verse 8, be sober. Be sober. Be sober-minded. Reflect, meditate, pray, suits the scriptures. Be ready. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the enemy, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. But also sometimes, as Paul says in another place, as an angel of light. Sometimes he shows his true colors. More often he doesn't. Seeking to terrify, frighten us. Causing despair, fear, anxiety, darkness, panic. Dreams, nightmares. For that reason, the congregation stay clear from anything that has to do with the occult, with horror movies, satanic music. Stay far from it. Abuse of drugs, dabbling with the occult, even the horoscope. Stay far from it. Do not get anywhere near to it. Don't see how far you can go without sinning, but be on the other side. Be aware that you're facing a spiritual enemy who's far more powerful than we are. And I said Satan often doesn't show his true colors. But I think lately we see in the news and in the world that these colors are more and more visible. I don't want to go into much detail, but with all these drag queens, have you seen pictures of those? They look demonic. And I think they are. It looks like as if Satan is manifesting himself in the last couple of years more than ever before. But in the past, it was more subtle ways, more blatant today. But still, indeed, as an angel of light, many times, Paul warns false, against false teachers in 2 Corinthians 11, 13 and 14. He says, he calls them deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, but he said, don't be surprised, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. And there he's probably most dangerous. Where he introduces a subtle difference here and there. It seems truth, but it's not entirely completely true. And if people then do not search the scriptures and are firmly grounded in the word of God, they be led aside, led astray. Powerful, wicked, crafty. Unbiblical thoughts, experiences to keep us from the clear biblical faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and following him. But as I already hinted at, it's not just demons, they're also angels. Satan and his demons have much power. But Jesus and his angels have all power. And that brings us to our third point here, the sudden victory. 
in spite of all this darkness and all this fear and anxiety, there is a sudden victory already won on the cross in Jesus. The victory is won. The war is already won. Really for every believer, even though we maybe win or lose many battles, the war is accomplished. Not only when Jesus died, when he defeated death, the grave and sin and hell and Satan and all this, but when he arose even more. But even his very death, where Satan thought he had a victory, was actually his defeat. If Satan had understood, if I may, just from a human perspective, if Satan had understood that Jesus' death would be his destruction, he would have done everything to prevent it. But it was hid from him. Jesus victoriously arose. He defeated death, grave, sin, hell, Satan, and his demons. So, dear believers, we're not only saved, we're safe. Looking to him. Leaning on him, trusting in him, getting to know him better, growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus. Ephesians 1 6. We looked at it this morning. And Ephesians 2 as well. In Ephesians 1 verse 6, he made, made accepted in the beloved that's in Jesus. For 7, redemption through his blood. And then. Chapter 2, verse 6, that we looked at this morning. Raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And there's an interesting connection, these heavenly places. Here it speaks also about these heavenly realms or the spiritual realms. I must confess it's beyond my understanding. Same how... How, this, how Satan and his demons could come into the presence of God and accuse Job to be not a true believer. Those are moments you see a, a bit of a, a glimpse of what's going on beyond what meets the eye. So we have a certain victory, not only in Jesus, but also in daily life. Because the Lord Jesus said, I will send my spirit to not only be with you, but in you. So we don't have the power, but in Christ we do. And through his peace, we can fight, not for victory, but from victory. From what he has done. So we are here, and that's what we have to believe, looking to Jesus. We are here as safe on earth as Jesus is in heaven. If our eyes are fixed on Jesus, our hope is in him alone. Because he made us sit together in heavenly places. Satan may try to tempt us to doubt, to fear. As somebody says, he may try to keep heaven out of us, but he cannot keep us out of heaven. In our doubts and fear, we may have thought and think many times that heaven is not for me. I'm, I'm too, too, too much of a sinner. When we, when we begin that reasoning, we're listening to the unholy spirit. 
But when we begin to reason like this and say, I'm convicted of my sin. Yes, I am a sinner. I'm a terrible sinner. I'm even worse than I realize. But I put my trust in Jesus. She said, then you listen to the Holy Spirit. That's the battle. As I said this morning, between feelings and faith, between circumstances of faith and faith, or between Satan and his demons and the Holy Spirit and his angels. So we're called to stand day by day. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Strong in the Lord, His might, His power. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. To stand. As I mentioned, we don't fight for victory to earn it, but we fight from victory as an evidence of it, as a fruit of it. Paul says it beautifully in Romans 8, 37 to 39. In all these things, we are more than conquerors. I find that striking. It doesn't say we are conquerors. We are more than conquerors. Through him that loved us, neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. And for those of us that haven't yet taken refuge to Christ, do so even right now. Say, Lord, I cannot do this. It's too much for me. It's overwhelming. I can't do it. Flee to Christ. Call upon his name. Put your trust in him. Search the scriptures. Not just read it, search it. Because those that seek or search shall find. Those that knock, it shall be opened unto them. Because without the Lord Jesus Christ, without turning to him, leaning on him, trusting in him, you cannot even begin to fight. Never mind continuing to fight. If you're outside of Christ, you haven't yet begun to fight. This is urgent. It's an urgent and ongoing need to begin to fight and to continue to fight in this battle. You see, maybe you go to church, you look like a soldier on the outside, like a Christian that is. You sing along with the songs, you pray along, you talk along. But if you're outside of Christ, you're still on the wrong side. Not fighting with him, but against him. That's why James says in James 4, 7, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And how to do that is to trust Jesus. Because the devil will not flee from you or from me. He's not afraid for us. But he is deadly afraid of Jesus. He trembles at that name Remember how these possessed people often came to Jesus and said several times, I know who you are, Jesus, the Son of the Almighty God. They trembled, but they did not repent, of course. They recognized Jesus. They recognized that only Jesus could do it. But he doesn't tremble when, when he meets us. 
to Timothy 4, 7. Paul says, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I kept the faith. So a certain victory in Jesus and in daily life with the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, but also eternal glory. For every believer who dies, there'll be a final victory. But not until you enter that glory. In the meantime, the Lord Jesus keeps us. And he keeps us by us keeping that whole armor. And we have no time. It was not my intent to go through all the parts of the, of the armor. But it says put on the whole armor of God. And it speaks about several things there. About the good. The, the loins good about the truth and the breastplate of righteousness or truth, righteousness, the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, helmet of salvation, and particularly the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. If you want to fight Satan, the demons, use this sword. Whatever whisperings come in your mind, whether you think it's your own thoughts or whether it's from the outside, we just often cannot discern but test it with the word of God. Because that's the sword of the spirit. If you want to fight Satan, use the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And then, of course, all prayer. Praying always with all prayer. The two main things that God has given us, the word, which became flesh, which is really a manifestation of the Lord Jesus, and prayer. The power of the word and of the spirit. That's what Paul says you have to put on. So it's too big for us. It's too complicated for us. But the solution is simple. Turn to Jesus. Again and again. Do not fight it in your own strength. You cannot. You even deep down will not. Fight. Only when you realize that you're a sinner when you're convicted again and again and realize that the conviction though it doesn't feel good it is good nobody likes pain nobody likes pain if you have pain in your tooth or whatever it is it doesn't feel good but actually it is good because if you wouldn't feel that pain it would rot away in your mouth and you would not go to the dentist so pain is not pleasant but it's profitable So conviction of sin is not pleasant, but it's profitable. But with that conviction, take refuge to Christ again and again. Turn to that word in prayer and bring with you, as Hosea says, take with you words to God through Christ. Because he is the way the truth, and the life. Way, the way, the truth is over the lies and the life is opposing death. No man comes to the Father except through Jesus. And Jesus is all-sufficient. Though much power is given to Satan and the demons, all power, Jesus says, is given to me. Amen. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for the gift of Thy Son. Help us to fight the good fight of faith. 
realizing that we cannot, even will not do it of ourselves, but looking to Jesus with everything we need to fight from victory, not to obtain victory, but realizing that the war is victorious. Jesus has gained the victory, even though the battles are still fought. Give us the grace, Lord, we need. Go with us. Help us to reflect upon what we heard. Guide and keep us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.